All right, good morning, guys. How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's been having a good time getting back to work after the Easter holiday. So, in case anybody has no clue who I am, which is likely, my name is Julian Hoes. I'm a I'm the managing director for FinTech Local Europe, and I am doing these shows just to give people explanations about what's going on, what exactly is happening, answer some questions, and also share some good news because we could all do with some good news that was stuck in our apartments really so to get started it's nine degrees in amsterdam eight degrees in london and nine degrees in paris seven degrees in brussels and bucharest has finally seen the end to its summer at eight degrees today and there's some really good news going around right now where if you look at the uh, information coming out informations appear infections appear to be going down across the board in all the major countries bar japan the EU is starting to see a very, very positive response with the creation of its uh, new EU-wide stock-building centre, which is going to be allowing all the member states to receive the equipment that they need to deal with the coronavirus crisis. And this has actually been particularly affected by Romania's experience in trying to gain equipment because Romania hasn't been able to actually receive the equipment that it wishes because as it can't pay 100% of the cost for the equipment and usually pays around 20 or 30% or maybe 40% of the push, it's frequently outbidded, meaning that a lot of people do not end up getting the equipment they need to Romania and Romania hasn't been able to react as much as it would like, which I'll get onto later on. And it's been exactly one year today since the Notre Dame de Paris fire. And uh, the restoration is apparently on track for a 2024 completion date, looking to be completed before the 2024 Olympics, according to President Emmanuel Macron. And even though work has temporarily stopped due to the coronavirus crisis, there is still a lot of positivity regarding the way people are looking at the process. And now a lot of, well, not a lot of people, but a handful of people said that they'd like to at least learn some kind of French from me while I'm doing these shows. So I'm going to try and do like a French phrase or a French word every day. So the word today, well, the phrase today is uh, rester en forme. So this means to stay healthy, to stay in shape. And I think it's something that people need to be doing nowadays more than ever. But aside from that, let's have a look at the questions for today. And the main one is what did Trump just do? Now, this is probably one of the crazier things that Donald Trump has done since he's become president, especially considering the damage that this is going to cause to the reaction to coronavirus worldwide. But Donald Trump has halted funding from the US to the World Health Organization, having claimed that the WHO had implied that the coronavirus wasn't communicable between people. Now, there's no evidence that the World Health Organization did that in Anyway, there's no evidence that it made any similar claims, any claims whatsoever that the coronavirus couldn't be transmitted between people. And to me, this seems like a very big populist act just to get the trouble off of his own back, just to protect his own back when it comes to the election in the upcoming cycle. And it's a very damaging act, particularly when we all need to be coming together and working together because the US is the overall largest donor to the World Health Organization. So it contributes more than $400 million and did so in 2019. 
which if you look at the total numbers is about 15% of the total budget of the World Health Organization. So if you, for example, look at your salary, try and figure out what would happen to you if they just cut 15% out of nowhere, just because. That is what the World Health Organization is going to be uh, dealing with. So the staff needs to pay, the equipment needs to be able to support member states in, in purchasing, the information needs to be getting out there. It's not going to be able to due to Donald Trump. Or at least it's going to have a severely limited capacity of doing so. And I mean, let's be honest, there's some criticism that is acceptable for the way the World Health Organization has behaved in some of the statements it has made in trying to support the world in dealing with this. I mean, the main thing that comes to mind for me was that it suggested that the reopening of Chinese wet markets, where the coronavirus is suspected to have originated, is a good idea which for me is just a terrible idea and that there are a lot of questions that need to be asked before these reopen in order to prevent this from happening again, because I'm not sure while people are willing to take this on now and isolate and go into quarantine lockdown now, I'm not sure what the reaction would be next time. And so we need to try and avoid this happening again to the best of our abilities. But ultimately, this is just more populism. This is more anti-institutional behavior. This is more passing the blame on in a similar way that the Chinese have done from Donald Trump, who is now starting to feel a bit nervous about his chances, I can imagine, following the um, the putting forward of um, Joe Biden as the Democratic, with the presumptive Democratic nomination for the presidency or the presidential elections even. Now, one of the questions, another question that I was asked was, what do you think of the government's assessments of COVID-19 numbers? Now, this is a complicated question across the board because of the fact that the the numbers from a lot of places have been quite suspect. And we get this feeling, for example, from China, where for some reason China, despite having been the originator of the outbreak, despite population density, and despite the way that things were going so out of control that some... Uh, I think it was infrared cameras were picking up on uh, mass bonfires happening in the streets at the peak of the epidemic, which indicates that the governments were cordoning off streets to burn bodies effectively. Now, the issue with this is that a lot of states are doing different things when it comes to calculating the number of deaths or the number of infections of citizens in their countries across the board. One example that I can't just come to mind for me is uh, both France and the UK are actually separating infections and deaths between what's happening in hospitals and in the wider country and then in care homes. Where in France, in the EHPADs, which are the um, retirement homes for the elderly, there is a different calculation for deaths compared to the national calculation of deaths in hospitals. And this is a, this can lead to people taking the wrong information from what's happening. For example, in France, there was the recent news that deaths and admissions to hospitals were decreasing, which is good news and does mean that the stress on the French health system is decreasing and leaving it more able to cope. But the problem is that it wasn't actually counting the fact that I think it was deaths and infections in care homes were actually increasing. So while on one side it is good news, on the other hand it is not necessarily the good news that you'd hope, and it doesn't show the the clear positivity that we'd like to see from these circumstances. It's the same thing in the UK, which this um, 
question was primarily asking about. The UK numbers are concerning because not only are they quite high already from the reported questions, but in the questions that we're seeing in, for example, the FT's graph and the um, world calculator thing, whatever, the people that are being counted in these numbers are not the total number. So put this into context, I personally may have had a case of coronavirus a few weeks back when I came back from Romania. I couldn't get tested because they just weren't doing that here in the in the Netherlands when I got back. And obviously when you're when you think you have a case, when you have fever, headache, a dry cough, when you're having limb pain, whatever, you're you're told to just stay inside until it gets severe. That's it. And a lot of people were just saying that, you know, th there are a lot of cases that people aren't able to get to the hospital to get treated by and they're not being counted in total numbers. And this is the same across the world. So we don't have the ability to know what the total numbers are or the true numbers are. Now, aside from this, you have the fact that, and this does veer slightly into conspiratorial thinking, so I would advise everybody to stay away from this kind of the government's trying to hide the truth nonsense. But in the UK, there have been stories about nurses being told that they need to in order to play down and prevent panic and fear from spreading, they need to actively seek for other reasonings for possible deaths. So there have been stories from nurses stating that they've been told to report deaths as another case. So, for example, not coronavirus, but more pneumonia or heart conditions or whatever pre-existing conditions could explain a death. And this is a very problematic way of dealing with the case because it just obfuscates what's actually happening. It means that we can't actually really be aware of what exactly is happening at a, at a national level. We're not getting the true numbers. We're not getting the true information. <clears throat> and this is a problem. And it's especially a problem when people are then not only starting to buy into conspiracy theories that the government is hiding the truth, but doing this while simultaneously seeing that there are mass graves being built in places like Chislehurst. There are there are people now concerned that they're going to have to start burning bodies in mass if these numbers aren't actually the case and people aren't seeing this. And this, this combination of the UK's up to now anti-institutional, anti-international reaction to things, as well as this lack of information happening now, is causing a lot of people to not have faith in what they're being told and seek other explanations, which is weakening the response and is meaning that the COVID-19 numbers, coronavirus numbers being reported aren't being taken at face value and people are questioning them. And this is dangerous when it comes to dealing with a crisis of this level. Sorry, my throat is just going a bit dry right now. Now, one of the interesting questions that I was asked was how effective have the Romanian measures been in ensuring safety when it comes to coronavirus? And having narrowly gotten out of Yash in Romania when this was all kicking off, I think this is quite an interesting question because to me, again, it tends to it tends to give us the idea that there is a there is a disconnect between what the government is doing and what people are understanding is doing and what they believe is doing, and the trust in governments themselves as well.
And so just from my perspective first, and then from what we've learned subsequently. So I went to Yash between the uh, 9th and the 15th of March, when this was all kicking off quite quickly. So I only got out of there a month ago now. And uh, very quickly, we saw that the Romanian government was actually being quite proactive in dealing with this. Or as proactive as it could be compared to larger states that have more capabilities and more ability to actually deal with these issues. Now, on arrival, we were told, declare what you're doing, declare where you've been and declare if you're sick. Before this event, every single person out of all the 150 people that were coming from across Europe to take part in this event were told that they had to report on any possible symptoms, any possible illness, any possible thing that then had to be fed through to the successive ministries of health for Yash and Romania in general. And while we were there and things were getting worse and worse, people, we had, um, we had our events were being shut down as time were going on. So special events that we had for attendees to our event that we were running were being shut down because they couldn't have more than X people at a public event unless it was, I believe it was educational or something or blah, blah, blah. And as time was going on, we were finding that we were being limited more and more in what we could do. Uh, bars, restaurants and like were being shut down progressively as time went on. And uh, in the end, we actually had to cut our event short by a day because of the fact that people were being told that it was getting too dangerous, simply. And we even had people leaving early to the point that a lot of us were considering leaving early as well because of the fact that they were shutting down airports in the area we were in. And I managed to get onto one of the last flights out of Yash Airport. And thankfully, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get back to Amsterdam. And God knows what I would have done if I was stuck there. But... This is, for me, this was a good sign because it showed that the uh, the government in Romania was taking this seriously and the regional governments were also being quite proactive in trying to limit any damage from this and any spread to the point that I believe Romania is one of the countries that has had the least effect from the coronavirus crisis in Europe. And this is despite being declared by EU Observer as the EU's worst healthcare system. And even with the health minister quitting 12 days into his mandate because he didn't seem to believe that he could handle this or simply just didn't want to. Now, the uh, Romanian government went into lockdown quite quickly, and, and I mean total lockdown, compared to other countries like France, for example, where after its first de three deaths, which all came the first uh, day of deaths in Romania, they uh, issued military ordinance number three, and there have been successive ordinances to the strengthen restrictions and fines on those flouting them across the country. And there, these seem to have been effective because the chart of infection has been starting to curve downwards, or at least show that it's reaching the peak, which is indicating that the measures have been effective. And again, deaths and infections have been relatively low compared to countries of similar sizes and other countries across the European Union. So there have been good signs. And this is on top of the fact that the Romanian government, due to the financial situation it finds itself in hasn't actually been able to procure as much equipment as it's needed. Now, if we look at the uh, absolute freefall that's been happening recently with the US stealing equipment from member states of the European Union and other states worldwide, 
this is understandable, which is why the EU is responding, creating a a sort of stockpile in a European holding centre is such a good idea and has been incredibly helpful. And quite honestly, we have to think to ourselves, this is a good thing. This, again, the European Union, as it has throughout the poly crises and all of the crises that it has encountered, including Brexit recently, it is learning how to cope with these crises and keep moving on and keep acting in a way that's going to support its ability to deal with further crises as time goes on and also continue to deal with the current crisis now. And, I mean, as sad as it is that a lot of these countries have been suffering from grave grave problems from this crisis, it just shows that there have been good things happening across the board. That's the simple matter of fact, and it means that the... EU is coming out of the stronger and countries like Romania will be coming out of the stronger because they'll realize that we need to be holding on to a specific number of cases, a specific number of equipment, and we need to value our health service a lot more. And that can only be a positive. But of course, this will always come into contact with the political problems that may arise and the rise of populism across Europe. But we can always try and take positives lessons out of this and just keep moving forward really anywho so those are the three questions that i've had this morning chat so what i would suggest is that we cut this now because i know that there's been technical issues and people haven't been able to really get involved in this i will say thank you for those who did turn up understandably not many people could but I will say, if you have any questions, please just drop them in whatever media comments that you can do so. You can send me questions on Facebook, on Twitter. You can even comment on YouTube if you'd like. And you can even send me an email at julianhuaz.protonmail.com, I believe. And yeah, I hope you all have a nice day. I hope that you all have a... Uh, a good way of dealing with this. And again, if anybody's getting in contact to chat, you know, please get in touch and see you next time. Bye.